Welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, celebrating the unique strengths and creativity so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. Hello, I'm Jordan Rich, and the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia invites you to join this podcast. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we'd consider featuring it right here on the Dyslexics Wanted podcast. Feel free to email me, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, at chartproductions.com. Today's guest is Berkeley Singer. Berkeley is a special education teacher currently working in Denver, Colorado. Her perspective is so welcome since she herself has dealt with dyslexia. Berkeley attended Trinity College, where she was president of the Psychology Lab and received the coveted Psychology Prize in 2015. She's worked for Teach for America and, among her many accomplishments there, established a committee to better support incoming special ed teachers. She's been a City Year Corps member and currently teaches 6th to 9th grade special ed math and language arts. The opening question for Berkeley, why did you become a special needs teacher? I have dyslexia, and as a student, I always felt um, like there could have been a better way to approach my learning difference, so I moved around schools every few years to get the best support, and I felt like it should have been able to have all been done from one school, so I wanted to get into teaching special education to try to combat some of the issues that I had that weren't able to Mm. be solved just in that one school setting. So literally take up the mantle and make a difference for future generations, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what were some of the problems when you were a a young student? What were some of the real nagging issues that, that you've confronted and try to make better as a teacher? Can you remember? Yeah, I think a lot of it was around social dynamics um, because there's such a difference between a student who is in the general education classroom, doesn't have a learning difference, and a student who does because you're pulled out for small groups and you get extra help in the classroom. It creates a pretty big social rift and kids know pretty quickly that you're quote-unquote different. And so dealing with the social dynamic of it was pretty tough and there's a lot of bullying around that. And switching schools every few years also was tough because then you don't really get in a flow with a certain group. And so I've been pretty aware of that as a teacher to make sure if I'm noticing any social things or any bullying things to address that really quickly because I don't want to see kids go down that path. Well, you have a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, I note, uh, from a great school, Trinity College in Hartford. There is so much psychology to what you're talking about, Berkeley. Yeah, the impact, not just of the learning deficiency, but the impact of like you say, socialization. Have you been able to employ that through the system you're working in now, and how's it going? Yeah, I use it as much as I can. Um, I definitely think from a psychology perspective, and I think the way that I use it the most, I, I say there are two ways, one being in the classroom, my big focus is on how kids are, and then it is on can they learn? Because if they're not okay as people and they're not doing okay emotionally, then they're not going to be able to take in anything academically. So that's my big first thing. Mm -hmm. And then the second way I think I use it a lot is in IEP meetings, which are individual education plan. And so every year there's a meeting about the kids plan. And the way I approach that is not necessarily student focused, but actually student led. So instead of just having students there and we talk about the students, I do a prep meeting with the student. They know what they're going to end up talking about. In starting the meeting out, I kind of tell everyone that I want it to be conversational and everyone should jump in and really making it a team effort rather than what they can fall into being, which is more of a compliancy of doing it once a year, but not really getting everyone's perspective in as much as it should be. Now, you're teaching, what, sixth to ninth grade in that range right now? Yes. So these are, you know, you're not that far away from these years. Very much the adolescent time when kids are 
growing up and things are happening in their bodies and it's so much going on, you know, the hormones are flying. It's a very challenging time anyway, but then you add in the dyslexia and the shame or the embarrassment that they might feel still. That's a lot to contend with when you're a youngster. Yes, it definitely is. How much of your grandmother's influence, your grandmother being the late Dr. Gertrude Webb, is is in the work you're doing now? Oh, it's constant. I mean, she was a huge influence for me. She was a big support uh, for me as a child growing up. She really understood what I needed and how to support me. I mean, I think about her all the time when I'm working with my kids. And actually, when she was sick, I asked her for one piece of advice that she would give me in working in education. Um, And she said, look into their eyes and they will tell you what they need. It's so true. If you really look deep into someone's eyes, you can see what they need. She's Mm. completely right. It's profound, and yet it's it's so true about connection and contact and communication and, and soul-searching even. When you're dealing with young students, you want to make sure that they're on the right path. That's a great way to start, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Wow. We're talking uh, with Berkeley Singer about her role as a teacher. Do you think that being dyslexic has helped to make you a better teacher, that certain issues with dyslexia have allowed you to find yourself as a, as a teacher in more ways than one? Yeah, I do. Um... I'm really transparent with my students about it, so um, I think that really helps build relationships quickly, too, um, because from the very beginning, they know that I've been in their shoes and that I also have been successful. So I think that is a big motivator and, like, point of connection for us. And then also, it helps me in teaching because I feel like I know a little bit better of where kids are going to get stuck um, and what supports might help because there are things that... I've needed or Mm. that in doing the pre-work for their work, it's something I I get stuck on. I'm like, well, if I'm getting stuck on this, then they're definitely going to. Well, walking in one's shoes, it's all about that. And I can understand how people would feel more comfortable if they know you've been there and have dealt with it. One of the things I noticed in researching what you do, you design student tracking and goal setting systems to progress monitoring. That sounds like a mouthful, but seriously, when when you're tracking someone's progress, What's different about the way you're doing it? What's unique or special about that? Yeah, so we do progress monitoring every six weeks. So it's checking kids' flu- like reading fluency, reading comprehension, um, and math abilities. And so I started this about halfway through last year where I get all of the data, and then I'll give it to the kids. And I have a tracker that I created, and I have them track their data. So they'll write in, as we do it every six weeks, they'll write in how they're making progress or not making progress. In doing that, they see how their numbers are growing or not, and each time I have them also make a goal. So when they Mm. start each section of the progress monitoring, I'm like, I ask every kid, what's the number you're reaching for? Um, And then they pretty quickly, after doing each section, um, are like, well, what did I get? Because they want to be meeting the goal. So it's intrinsic motivation for sure. Because they're involved in their own progress. It's not just taking orders (laughs) and... uh... And following the leader, it, it, they're leading their own lives in a sense. Looking back, was that not the case? Was, did you feel that you were being guided but not really given a chance to speak up? Yeah, I felt like a lot was spoken about me or for me, and I never really had an opportunity to have a voice in the school setting, largely. I think at home it was different, but in the school setting it was largely talking about rather than talking with. Berkeley, oftentimes adults could be teachers, could be parents, could be just adults in general, mean well, but might be saying the the wrong thing to affect somebody with dyslexia. How do you help your students deal with that kind of thing? I've approached it from a few different ways. Um, Sometimes it's in talking to the kids about 
like what happened and how they felt about it and going from there. And sometimes I have it like approached adults about like kind of just like see it from this perspective and try to like pose the other opinion. I feel like very much an advocate for my students. So when adults say things that I don't necessarily agree with, I will often jump in. It can largely be around like someone saying something around like a kid being slow and I'll kind of correct that in a more PC way or something about like I I prefer the term learning difference, which is also something my grandmother used. Mm. And so when people say disability, I I don't necessarily correct it, but I will very intentionally use difference to try to like, you know, influence the way that they're going to say it the next time. Well, you're becoming an ambassador for uh, understanding, which is it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, but it really helps to come from somebody like you. What's your future plan, either short term or long term? Obviously, you love teaching. Do you want to continue? I do love teaching. Um, I'm looking to actually get out of the classroom because I feel like I can't make as much change as I want to from this position. Um, I can make change with my kids and with their families, but on the large scale, this needs to be a systematic change, and I can't do that from where I'm at right now. Your grandmother would be proud. She's probably very proud right now, and uh, there is a nationwide need to address this this issue. So you you see yourself in a more administrative role to try to make change then? I actually really long term would love to restart her organization the way that um, she had it. So she did a lot of work with kids and families to really approach things from a holistic perspective. And since her passing, it's been a lot more around um, her memory and things like that. But at some point, I really would like to reinstate that mission and get some of that work going again. Special needs teacher, Berkeley Singer, making a difference in the lives of dyslexic students. Thanks once again for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. We're seeking personal stories about your dyslexia journey and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we would consider featuring it on this podcast. Send the story to me, Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan at chartproductions.com. Chart is spelled C-H-A-R-T. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast, available on all major web platforms. And once again, for much more, visit WICD.org. That's WICD.org.